Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, and by Ocean State Bird Club. Happy to sponsor Talking Birds. Why not shake off the midwinter blues with a bird walk? Or if it's too cold for your taste, come to one of our birding lectures or informal gatherings. We're online at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org and Facebook. Discover new ways to enjoy birding with Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 763. Cue the dinosaur sound, please. It's kind of another new dinosaur-bird connection. A new species of feathered dinosaur discovered in China is being described as a one-of-a-kind specimen that offers a window in what the Earth was like 120 million years ago and is said to fit in with the radiation of feathered winged animals closely related to the origin of birds. Scientists say the dino is larger than a common crow and smaller than a raven, but with a long bony tail which would have doubled its length, a narrow face filled with sharp teeth, thin and small bones, and covered with feathers, including a wing-like array on both its arms and legs, and two long plumes at the end of its tail. The animal is said to be one of the earliest relatives of our friend from the Jurassic Park movies, Velociraptor. That thing is still kind of scary. But I think they know that Velociraptor looked a lot different than it was shown in those movies, maybe with feathers on it, too. Meanwhile, here's kind of a modern dinosaur. It's our mystery bird. A little preview of our mystery bird contest. Here are some clues about our mystery bird. Since it boasts impressive reproductive success, you could say our bird is fertile. One subspecies of our mystery bird goes by the name Myrtle. Our mystery bird is a small songbird with a distinctive yellow patch just above the tail and yellow patches on the sides of its streaky chest. It has a pale throat that could be white or yellow depending on which subspecies it is. And it has white wing bars. Prizes include the Droll Yankees Bottoms Up Finch Feeder. Not hospitable for house sparrows and starlings, but great for other birds. Plus, bonus prizes of a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app that makes learning bird sounds a game. Plus, a bag of our favorite coffee. Delicious, shade-grown, bird-friendly birds and beans coffee. All coming up on our Mystery Bird Contest. By the way, we want to say thank you to Lissa Malloy, who sent us pictures of this mystery bird. This is why we decided to make this our mystery bird today. She sent us pictures of this bird photographed by her down in a wonderful place to be in January, the Florida Keys. So, thank you, Lissa. Mystery bird contest coming up here in uh, just uh, a little bit. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos on our beautiful new TalkinBirds.com website and our Facebook page. As George Mumbio explains in an award-winning new YouTube video he helped produce with fellow climate activist Greta Thunberg, there's a magic machine that sucks carbon out of the air. 
costs very little and builds itself. It is, of course, a tree. We'll link you to that important video about climate crisis solutions. And don't miss the note at the end of the video about what this film was made from. Birds and bats don't host as many microbes as other creatures do, and it may be because they fly. We'll connect you to a story about that from Discover magazine. And would you like to encourage your members of Congress to support the Migratory Bird Protection Act? We'll link you to an easy way to do it thanks to the American Bird Conservancy. And that's all on our website and some of those on our Facebook page as well. Don't forget to check out our new Kids in Nature page as well on our website for some terrific ideas about getting kids interested in and excited about nature and birds. Well, here's a story that's been popping up everywhere this week, and that Migratory Bird Protection Act is part of the story. The headline from birdwatchingdaily.com sums it up pretty well, saying, Virginia destroys state's largest water bird colony, resists calls to build new island. The story goes on to point out that unless quick action is taken, at least 20,000 migratory birds will be without a home this spring, Due to the Commonwealth of Virginia's decision to pave Hampton Roads South Island without creating alternative habitat. That island has long been a home to thriving colonies of royal terns, black skimmers, several species of gulls, sandwich terns, and gull-billed terns, state listed as a threatened species in Virginia. But late in 2019, the island was paved over in preparation for the enormous Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel Expansion Project designed to add additional lanes to reduce traffic congestion. Meanwhile, the American Bird Conservancy is calling on Virginia officials to start building an island for the birds now. ABC President Mike Parr says, Bird advocates are not arguing against the much-needed tunnel expansion. All we want is for the state to build an alternate island with dredge spoil, material that is already widely available nearby. The cost of creating alternate habitat for the colony is estimated at about 0.2% of the project's overall construction cost. A big part of the problem concerns something we've talked about here several times lately. It's the fact that the Trump administration has weakened the Migratory Bird Treaty Act the MBTA, so that creators of projects like this are no longer held responsible for causing bird deaths as long as the killing of the bird was not the intent of their action. So we'll stay tuned while also hoping that the new Migratory Bird Protection Act that's working its way through Congress will reverse those changes to the MBTA, which are resulting, the changes are, in the death of birds on a daily basis. Where else are birds having trouble here in the new year? Well, downtown Providence, Rhode Island, for one, because birds are crashing into a new glass-clad building there. The Boston Globe ran a story about it this week, and they didn't have to send a reporter to Providence to learn about it. It turns out that the Globe's Providence Bureau is located in the building into which the birds are crashing. Fortunately, some moves are afoot there in Providence to treat the building with a non-reflective coating that should substantially reduce 
those bird crashes. Birds, especially bald eagles, are having trouble up in Maine. The Bangor Daily News reports that in the first two weeks of January, five sick bald eagles were rescued from locations throughout the state and admitted to Avian Heaven, or sorry, Avian Haven, a wildlife rehabilitation center in the town of Freedom. All five birds had elevated levels of lead in their blood. Within days, all of the birds died. The birds, it turns out, died from lead poisoning in the main Department of Islands, uh, Department of Island Fisheries, sorry, Inland Fisheries and Wildlife, says that it's well documented that spent lead ammunition in large game, such as deer, left on the landscape is the primary source of lead poisoning for eagles. It's encouraging to know that at least 30 states regulate the use of lead ammunition. One example is Oregon, where hunters are not allowed to fire lead bullets in a number of state wildlife areas. And California, which has some of the nation's most restrictive gun laws and was the first state to prohibit lead ammunition in specific areas, recently imposed a statewide ban on lead ammo that will go into effect next July. Meanwhile, out in the ocean five years ago, tens of thousands of emaciated seabirds washed ashore on the Pacific coast. Now, scientists know why. They say it's because of a long-lived marine heat wave. In 2013, surface waters began to heat up off the Pacific coast, a phenomenon that became known as the blob. These warmer waters, the most powerful ocean heat wave ever recorded, continued until 2015. The waters warmed even more when a powerful El Nino, another ocean atmosphere phenomenon that causes a period of warming sea surface temperatures, arrived in 2015 and 2016. Reports indicate the blob is now gone. However, those same scientists recently identified another marine heat wave forming off the coast of Washington and up into the Gulf of Alaska. So I have a feeling we're going to be hearing more about that quite soon. Speaking of warming, guess which decade was the hottest ever recorded on planet Earth? If you guessed it was the one that just ended, you'd be correct. But take heart, Talking Birds listeners, there is good news to report. One bit comes in the story of a remarkable young woman from England who gets our conservation salute of the week. More about that in a minute or two. And good news in that our friends Wayne Peterson and Paul Basich have just released the latest edition of their marvelous publication, The Birding Community E-Bulletin, which is again chock full of fascinating stories about rare bird discoveries, cool new books, good news about an important bird area in North Carolina this time, and a summary of the recently completed Christmas bird counts, which broke all kinds of records. That's the Birding Community e-Bulletin. Easy to find through an online search. Our conservation salute of the week goes to 17-year-old Maya Rose Craig from Somerset in England. She became kind of famous a year or two ago for her extraordinary bird-watching prowess and success. But she's more than a birder. She's also a dedicated conservationist who has been awarded an honorary doctorate from England's University of Bristol in recognition of her work in nature conservation and environmental campaigning. At the age of 13, 
She organized her first Race Equality in Nature conference. She also runs nature camps for inner-city minority children and teenagers. And in September of 2018, was involved in writing the Manifesto for Diversity in Nature Conservation. The university's head of earth sciences, Dr. Rich Pankos, describes Maya Rose as a fantastic model for her peers, who has delivered more than 50 inspirational talks and is a passionate advocate for the need to engage people of all ages and backgrounds in the conservation sector and the climate change movement. So we add our Talking Birds conservation salute to the amazing Maya Rose Craig. We have some amazing people listening to Talking Birds. Lots of them we're happy to report, and lots of them becoming Talking Birds ambassadors, helping us spread the word about conservation and birds and our Talking Birds show. And thank you to Alan Rand from Cleveland, Ohio. He says, can't wait to be an ambassador here in Cleveland. Cuyahoga County is a phenomenal place to bird, especially during migration. Seemingly innocuous green spaces become hot spots overnight. Very cool. I'd love to hear about that urban birding. Thank you so much, Alan. And thank you to Stephanie Garrett from Westford, Massachusetts. She sent us pictures of her sixth grade students' birdhouse designs and nest boxes. She says, I teach English language arts. And she says this year, she wanted to get the kids excited about birds. And she says, it's working. Thank you, Stephanie. And Talking Birds listeners, be on the lookout for some of those amazing photos of those students and those nest boxes and all the bird feeders they've created. It's pretty amazing. That'll be on our website page, too, TalkingBirds.com. Meanwhile, we hope you'll join Alan and Stephanie in our ambassadors' family by letting us send you some of our little cards for you to hand out at your convenience to friends and neighbors and fellow birders. To join the family, just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on the Get Involved button, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment about robins in your backyard. Where do they come from, and where are they going? Our featured feathered friend segment presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. M-A- no place I'd rather be than M-A-I-N-E. Well, there's a dining and drinking establishment in Damroscotta, Maine, that will knock 10% off the price of your bill if you agree not to use your phone while you're there. What does that have to do with this segment of our show? Well, it's just that that establishment gave us the idea for today's featured feathered friend. The place is called the King Eider's Pub. The king eider is a large sea duck, and as its species name, Spectabilis, would suggest, it's a pretty spectacular-looking bird. The male sports striking black and white plumage, contrasting with a pale blue crown and nape, a red bill, a big orange basal knob outlined in black, and green cheeks. Females are dressed in marbled, rusty brown and black. Wintering king eiders can form enormous flocks on coastal waters. The Cornell Labs All About Birds website says that observers at Point Barrow, Alaska, once counted 360,000 king eiders passing by in just 10 hours. 
King eiders breed along northern hemisphere Arctic oceans of Northeast Europe, Asia, and North America. And in winter, some North American birds travel as far south as southern Alaska, New England, and the Great Lakes. While at sea, king eiders feed mostly on shellfish, crustaceans, and other creatures like sea urchins and starfish, occasionally diving as deep as 180 feet to get them. On land, they eat insects and plants. <laughs> Males and females chatting there. Somateria spectabilis, the king eider. Today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. Oops, so much for the discount for the folks at Table 3. Welcome again to our show, number 763. I think that starfish reference was a little outdated. I think they call them sea stars now. And if that number of uh, king eiders flying by wasn't impressive enough, those same stats from Cornell Lab indicate that at one point... 113,000 king eiders flew by Barrow Point there in Alaska in 30 minutes. Barrow Point, they tell us, is the northernmost point in the United States. Thanks for being with us on our show, and we do hope you'll visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Remember, no G in Talkin', otherwise you'll get a pet store in Albuquerque. It's TalkinBirds.com. Hope you'll follow us, too, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Talkin' Birds. Up next, our mystery bird contest in just one minute. What's one of your favorite memories? <laughs> That's a tough question. Um, well, there was this one time I went camping with my parents in a forest back when I was maybe like eight or nine. And um, I can remember one night we were laying out in our hammocks and we were just, you know watching the trees rustling in the wind above us, and we could hear the sounds of the forest all around us. Frogs singing and owls calling and the creek running nearby. It was amazing. It felt like we were a part of it all. I don't know if I do it justice trying to describe it, but I'll definitely never forget it. Most of us have a memory of being in nature we'll never forget. Let's protect the world's natural places so more memories can be made for generations to come. Visit worldwildlife.org. Our mystery bird contest is presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. That's the sound of our mystery bird some clues to that mystery bird ID. Since it boasts impressive reproductive success, you could say our bird is fertile. Or one subspecies of our mystery bird goes by the name of myrtle. Our mystery bird is a small songbird with a distinctive yellow patch just above the tail. Yellow patches on the sides of its streaky chest. It has a pale throat that can be white or yellow, depending on which subspecies it is. And it has white wing bars. That would be our mystery bird. Tell us what it is or take your guess, in which case uh, drawing will determine our winner if we don't get a correct answer. 781-837-4900 is the number. We have a beautiful Droll Yankees bottoms-up finch feeder, a download or online access to the LockWire app that makes learning bird sounds a game, and a 12-ounce bag of delicious, shade-grown, bird-friendly birds and beans coffee. 
as prizes this morning. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, down to Cape Cod where it is sunny once again. It really is this time. Uh, not that it isn't usually. Mike O'Connor with uh, Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. For the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about our show and about birds in conservation. My name is Bill Berkey, and I'm calling from Northern Kentucky. I became a Talking Birds ambassador to pass along my passion for birding to other people, and hopefully they'll get something from it. I would encourage others to become a Talking Birds ambassador in order to meet other birders and share their experiences with one another, as well as ideas and thoughts about future conservancy issues. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. It's easy to do. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on Get Involved at the top of the homepage and then choose the Become an Ambassador option at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. Well, are the robins in your yard darker than usual? Mike O'Connor has some thoughts about why that might be, if it is indeed so. Good morning, Mike. Barrow, Alaska. Oh, uh, all I heard there was Barrow, Alaska. You sounded like a Bob and Ray routine there. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Fill in the blank. Barrow, Alaska is gone. They changed the name. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. They changed it back to the original uh, ancestral name. Correct. Right? Yeah. Which Don't is... ask me to say it. Oh, I thought I had you there. For a minute. <laughs> that's yeah. not there. Yeah, but thanks. that's impressive because, you know, if, uh, a year or two ago there was a King Eider of the Cape Cod Canal, and everybody yeah. from around here went, one Eider. We all lined <laughs> up to look at this one bird. And meanwhile, what's up there? What'd you say, 100,000 in, in a half an hour? 113,000 like at one point going by, yeah. yeah. We went to the wrong place. I think so, but we do have robins. We do have robins, right? you're right. This time of year, the, the robins come down, um, they seem to migrate from the north, and my customers would always call them um, Canadian robins, and you, you could tell them because they were larger, my customers would say, but that doesn't seem to be the case and not mm. at all larger. Um, but they look they larger are... when you look in the binoculars, is what it is. <laughs> Maybe yeah. it's the binoculars. Yeah. But they um, they do can be darker. The, mm. the Atlantic uh, coastal Canadian Atlantic provinces sometimes produces darker robins. They're not really a subspecies. At first we thought it was a subspecies, but um, simply says no, it's just more of a variant because it's moister there. In moist areas, birds tend to, or species tend to be darker, and such is the case with these robins. My wife the other day was working in the kitchen, and she looked out, and she said, oh, look at all the robins. Some are different colors, and I didn't even pay attention because I you know, being a husband, I don't pay attention to my wife. <laughs> and and it's, I said, oh, those are just the females, honey. And I just, you know, went about the day. And then when I walked out, I could see a couple of them were indeed much darker than the male robins we usually see here in the, in the summertime. And the, the red robin, red breast, as we say, which is kind of that bricky orange color, is uh, has almost no white in it, but the robins we see in the summer does. And the black of the cap is... Robins have a black cat that we don't pay attention to. Some people call it a black-headed thrush. Mm. But um, on these ones from the provinces, the black goes down to the back, and it's a much darker back, and it's a much darker bird. It's not a larger bird, but it is in, indeed darker. And they were here on the bird bath because 
we have a lot of cedar berries. You know, this year was a good successful year for the cedar trees, and they were just chowing them all, but they come to the birdbath to help process these these berries through, and we had a line of them. There was a lot of them. And then when they left, you know, I had to sweep off the, the deck because it was a little bit, quite a bit of cedar berries. If you need some cedar seeds, Ray, I'll send you some. They're a little gooey. Oh, that's pretty I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> So, Robins, yeah, and of course, we'll be seeing them out on our lawns. The spring is coming soon. It's already spring on the Cape, I believe, isn't it? It's, I'm not kidding you. It's yeah. the fun's out. It's a nice day today. It's a nice January day. We, You guys got some snow, but we got rain, and now the sun's out, and uh, wow. the Robins are around here. So, uh, But they're a little bit darker. They're not larger, but pay attention, and you can look at them when they're in a flock. Our, By our themselves, it's hard to tell. But Our, our friend Peter Trull said that we should call that bird the black-backed thrush. Black, think, right? yeah, he does. Black-headed thrush. I've heard him say that, and he's stubborn on that, yeah. and he might be right. He's right, because it's not really a uh, robin anyway, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, it's another show. Yeah. All right, Mike, thank you. <laughs> Talk to you later. Talk to you okay, next bye week. Bye-bye. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds, conservation, and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. And we're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest now. And our bird is a small songbird with a distinctive yellow patch just above the tail, yellow patches on the side of its streaky chest. It has a pale throat. It's be white or yellow depending on which subspecies it is, they tell us. And it has uh, white wing bars um, I guess we're going to Carol in uh, Westerly, Rhode Island. Good morning, Carol. Good morning. How Good. are you today? Um, well, thank you. How are, how's it in Westerly, Rhode Well, Westerly, for those who are uh, not familiar, is in the is this, I, southwest corner of the state. Is that, is that accurate? That's right, right I, along the Connecticut border. I've been there like 500 times, and I'm asking you where it is. Uh, okay, well, just to pinpoint it there, beautiful westerly Rhode Island. So, uh, Carol, what do you think on our mystery bird? Well, I'm guessing it's a yellow-rumped warbler. A yellow-rumped warbler. That's what it says here on the paper. So uh, that must be right. Yellow-rumped warbler is absolutely uh, correct. I wonder if you wish you were down in the Florida Keys where our friend Lissa just uh, saw one and sent photographs of it. It would be beautiful to see one. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Carol, thank you so much. Stay on the line, and uh, we'll get your address and all that and send you those uh, lovely prizes. Awesome. Unless, thank you. Unless you'd want to try our, our bonus uh, question while you're oh. here. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. We're not responsible for the answers to this. Uh, what, a, what bird, this is a multiple choice question, what bird is sometimes called the skunk bird? What bird is sometimes called the skunk bird? Is it A, European starling, B, the bobolink, or C, a rare hybrid of a black and white bird and a black and white mammal, also known as the pigeon polecat. Those are the uh, your choices there. I don't think you're going to choose C, but I could be mistaken about that. What, what do you think? Oh, uh, maybe the bobolink? Maybe the bobolink. There's a title for a book for you. Maybe the bobolink. Absolutely right. It's the it's the bobolink, the skunk bird. It's got that kind of white on the back of back of the head and dark in the front. A very unusual pattern for songbirds. But you are absolutely right. And uh, thank you again, Carol. 
Thank you. All Have right. a great day. Have a great day, Carol. In Westerly, Rhode Island, correctly identifying our mystery bird as the yellow-rumped warbler and the skunk bird as the uh, uh, the bobolink. Yeah. Well, that puts us uh, pretty close to being out of time for our show this morning. Um, we were talking about robins there with uh, Mike O'Connor just a few minutes ago. And coming along on a show in the very near future, we'll have a man who knows a lot about robins. He is uh, famous for going out in the woods of New England in the wintertime and recording robin sounds. They congregate sometimes in enormous flocks. His name is Don Krudzma, and he happens to be one of the greatest experts in bird song in the world. He has written a number of new books, and he has a brand new one coming out very soon. And if I have a chance, I'm going to see if I can find the title of that book. Here it is. It's called Bird Song for the Curious a curious naturalist, your guide to listening. Don is a great guest. He'll be with us on the show here very soon to talk about that new book and other stuff about birds. And that is our show for this morning. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, who will be with us next week, by the way, with the Science Corner Report. Freya McGregor and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, and by Ocean State Bird Club. Happy to sponsor Talking Birds. Why not shake off the midwinter blues with a bird walk? Or if it's too cold for your taste, come to one of our birding lectures or informal gatherings. We're online at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org and Facebook. Discover new ways to enjoy birding with Ocean State Bird Club.